welcome to Connected episode 244. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Backblaze, FreshBooks, and Text Expander. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you on this fine Wednesday? I am doing better than in the previous weeks. I'm doing very, very well. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, we're going to talk about that. A lot. There's a lot, a lot to cover this week, and of course, we are joined by everyone's favorite bearded British man, Mike Hurley. You put a lot of qualifiers in that one. I mean, I couldn't say favorite man. Can't I just be everybody's favorite? Why can't I just be everybody's favorite? Because it's Federico's week. Oh. Everyone's favorites next okay. week. Next week? Okay, great. Let's just dive right in. We have a lot of follow up, and we're going to start with hashtag Beat Buffett. We're talking about Warren Buffett's weird iPhone game that's now just in the U.S. and how we felt like the the high score was probably hard coded. This campaign was a failure. Basically, it, it was. Uh, we have a tweet. Uh, the, the the highest we've seen uh, was what twelve thousand seven hundred. And Warren's. I'm looking at the screenshot. Warren Buffett's high score fifteen thousand three fifty. Yeah. I do wonder if maybe you put in Warren Buffett as your username. Maybe it tricks the game into giving mm. you a higher score. I'm surprised that nobody else has tried that before. Um, oh, that's interesting. Maybe you get like access to some kind of special mode. <laughs> the, the Warren mode. The Warren the mode. The Buffett mode. Can you change your name? It is clearly very impossible to uh, to to take that score. Oh, I, del- I deleted the app. Oh, no. I was dumb. I was dumb with it. I mean, how many more times am I going to play it? I, th- I boosted mm-hmm. it off into the moon. It's gone. I threw it out of the mm-hmm. window like a one of these newspapers. <laughs> like you threw out your phone. <laughs> I keep dropping my phone all the time. Really? Yeah, I've got so many. It's covered in scratches now, the screen. I don't know what's wrong with me. But you have a case, right? You have a case. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if I didn't have a case, this thing would have been obliterated before now. It's taken some real bad, like, I dropped it a couple of days ago and it hit a shelf. Oh. And like, Ooh. yeah, no. on the way down and just like catapulted its way across the room so i'm pleased i have a case i would have 100 percent blown through my two apple care repairs at this point are you still using the silicon iphone case like the apple case yeah yeah do you feel like it's let not grippy enough or you're just suddenly clumsy or like oh, I'm, i just i keep dropping it I don't, I don't know what it is it does it's not like it's slipping i just keep dropping it mm-hmm. it's almost as if the the phone is too big and the max was a mistake it's almost as if my hands aren't big enough Really, oh, that, that's, that's the problem. problem. That's the real You're, problem. You should find <laughs> techniques to grow your hands bigger. That's I'm gonna look into that. Maybe I should get yes. cases for my hands, like a, like a hand extender medication, something like that must exist. You know, like a pill that you take and it grows your hand. You know, mm-hmm. or maybe some exercise to extend the length of your fingers. Is there such an exercise that can do that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, when I was is. younger, I think my mom convinced me. I don't know if it, this is true or not, that there were exercises that you could do to sort of force yourself to grow taller. Mm. Like if you remain suspended, um, <laughs> like hanging mm. on with your arms on like a bar or something, you force yourself to grow taller. Like, this uh, is like some torture rack type stuff. Yes, it sounds like a torture. Yeah, it's, it's medieval. I, I think it's a medieval <laughs> technique. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure that it's yeah. not true. I'm uh, not sure it's a good, a good idea. But I had a, I had a whole like 
problem growing up because until I was like 14 or 15, I was very short. I was very short. And then in the span span of a summer, like two months, I grew by like 12 centimeters and that made me feel a lot better. Um, It was super awkward when I went back to school in September and I was like a different person. Um, But yeah, anyway, um, sorry. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) That's enough of that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Up next, uh, we have some news from CNET that it seems that they may have fixed the Galaxy Fold. Samsung may have done it. Yeah, let me talk about the Galaxy Fold. Let me talk about it. Oh, my God. Still. CNET are reporting on some other reports for some other websites that I've not yet seen corroborated. This is not even their own report. They're reporting from... Yeah. um, Reporting on other... Okay. Yeah, CNET are reporting... Uh, based on reports from uh, Yonhap News. Um, I don't really know what that is, but I'm going on whatever I got. Uh, So apparently Samsung are going to be tucking the protective layer, the kind of screen protector, under the bezel now so it doesn't come off and people won't want to pick it off. I don't know how this was ever a thing in the first place. Um, And they've also reduced the size of some of the hinge parts, apparently, so it will be covered by a protective frame better. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Samsung certainly haven't said this, um, but someone is. So, I'm keeping that dream alive, boys. Yeah, I sure hope that Yonhap News is correct. Me too. Uh, I nobody hopes it more than me and Samsung CEO and the folks at, at the folks at Yonhap also. <laughs> oh, no, they're fine. Oh. Yonhap got what they need, right? Like they've got what they need. It looks like a Korean website. So. Okay. All right. You know. Well. I I'm I'm happy that you're holding on to this glimmer of hope. Uh that is the uh Galaxy Fold mic. Um mm. I want this to be true for you mostly at this point. Speaking of things that folded too soon, let's talk about works with a nest. Ooh, that was a Oh my god. Transition. This was the the partnership Nest and some other devices that let them interact, including like the Amazon Echo Voice Assistant. Mm-hmm. It worked through this program uh, and some other things. And Google has now extended that through August 31st. And they're using the time to work with partners to make a more permanent solution available. Almost as if it's what they should have done in the first place. It's kind of what, funny, what really. a concept. Yeah. It's, you work with these large companies and yet you decide just not to bother mentioning to them. So. If they had announced this in the first place, saying, hey, you have until the end of August, and then we're going to move over, I don't think people would have been upset. But you pull the rug out from uh, out from under everybody, then you have to go back. It's just they really did it poorly. But yet some stuff's never – like IFTTT is not mentioned, right? That's that's probably gone forever. Um, they called out Amazon as like Google like, – in, in Google's blog post, they specifically called out Amazon, right, that they're going to work with them. And they also said that they're going to work with partners and they're going to add assistant features that will help replace the stuff that's going to be lost. And they also spoke about – which I do appreciate. They're like, you know, when we're working with people and adding these things in, we're actually going to do periodic security reviews of them. That's going to be part of it. Good. But like, see, this is what I mean. Like stuff like that, you're like, yeah, Google, that's a really good point. Like, you should be doing periodic security reviews of the companies that you allow your products into, right? But probably nobody else is doing stuff like that, right? Like, I, I, you get the certification and then it's all job done. But that's the type of stuff people want to hear. They don't want to hear, like, oh, all the stuff that you currently are bought into, we just decided to kill it. So please buy our products instead. Up next, I wanted to talk a little bit about 
Arm Max. It has come up on Twitter in the last week after Mike's promise to buy me an Arm Mac if they come out this yeah. year, including <laughs> if the Mac Pro is an Arm Mac, the highest spec. So just, just reminding people of that. That's the one I wish I wouldn't have said. The laptop... I oh, c- now you wish you wouldn't have said that. That was so obvious. <laughs> the laptop, like, I could maybe get away with a bit, but, like, the the highest end, the Mac Pro... I'm still feeling confident about it, maybe. You should feel confident about, about the it. Mac I, Pro I'm specifically, not. but, like, I'm still just a little... I remain... That's the part that I'm most concerned about. That's understandable, because it could be very expensive. So it came up on Twitter, what defines an ARM Mac? Because... Touch Bar Max started with the T1 chip, and now they have the T2 chip. And can I can I stop you here for a second? I I am unhappy with our listeners who are trying to like find loopholes. Uh huh. Right to be like, oh well, the T2 chip's an ARM chip. No, shut up. Is what I say to you. Right, you know what I'm saying. Don't try and find loopholes. This is literally the reason this isn't follow up. So then, no, though, no, I appreciate you putting it in here, but I have nothing but disdain for people that made these claims to you, Stephen. Disdain for all of them. I feel there's a the phenomenon here is that people find it entertaining when you're forced to spend money. Yeah, yeah. It's why all those YouTube videos are so popular, right? Like, I'm giving $50,000 to someone for sitting in a car for six hours. Like, it's just like a thing. <laughs> so I, I think we need to define this a little bit. So yes, Macs have ARM chips in them now, but they're secondary doing security things and the touch bar or whatever. I think the definition, I think this is a pretty clear definition, is that an ARM Mac means the OS or its apps are running on an ARM processor, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it seems like a very simple definition to me that if the OS or the apps run on something other than an Intel chip, then it's an yep. ARM Mac. Like it's not, it's, it's, that's clear. Mm-hmm. So then the question came up, I'm just reiterating what happened on Twitter. What happens if it's a dual CPU system? So what if, just hypothetically, I don't necessarily think this is the case for a lot of, because it's like it's super weird and probably expensive, but let's take the new Mac Pro. Let's say that it comes with an Intel Xeon in it, but it also comes with the Apple ARM Mac CPU in it, and you can run – it has both. Again, I think the answer is, does the OS or its apps, can they run on the ARM processor directly? Mm -hmm. And if so, I would say that that is an ARM Mac. I feel like in good faith I could not argue that point away. Yeah, I feel like we're all on the Mm -hmm. same page. I just wanted to clarify that because people were trying to find loopholes – uh, so I think that's our definition. Because yeah, then I could get you a Mac that does both, right? Lastly, in follow-up, uh, Mike, this is just for me and you. Mm-hmm. We have a co-host on this show who really likes tr- awards. Yeah. I feel like he's very... It's um, not that I like them. I deserve them. Yeah, okay, okay. I feel like he, he ha- he's like overcoming some trauma in his past <laughs> where he was passed over. It is possible. You know, and and uh, this has spilled out into the Relay FM newsletter. Yeah. There, there's a new show called Adapt. Uh, we talked about it last week where um, Federico and Ryan are telling, challenging each other to do things on the iPad. It's a, it's a great show. And I interviewed the two of them in the Relay FM membership newsletter. And there's just a link in the show notes uh, about one of... Federico's answers. Mike, do you want to tell us what uh, this other person wrote? So the question was, will there be prizes? I know Federico's really into trophies. And Federico says, I like trophies because I deserve them, as other shows on Relay have proven time and time again. I hope that Adapt will allow me to win more trophies than Connected, whose co-hosts have established an alliance against me to prevent me from winning additional trophies. 
Now, yes. I feel like we are entering into a very deep and complicated law here that I can't <laughs> comprehend anymore as to how this has occurred. Well, I believe there is an alliance or a conspiracy we against We all have me. an equal amount of trophies. We all have one Where, each. Uh, th- only one was shaped like a toilet, though. Yeah, and I have that one. Over time... <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I... Points were stolen from me over time. When? Come on. Um, when? When were when? they? In previous predictions and in previous um, contests that uh-huh. we did, uh-huh. points were not assigned to me. And You um, know why the points weren't assigned to you, right? Because you got the answer wrong. Because you didn't deserve them. Well, that's debatable. Them. And you two have, you two have <sighs> teamed two up. Two sides to every story. You two have teamed up and have colluded with Jason Snell. No also, collusion. part of... Yes, there has been. <laughs> easy, easy, <laughs> easy. I feel like we would need a report to assess the situation oh here. Oh my yeah. god! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, are you going to be the person to assign the independent report coordinator? I would like to have going into WWDC a special investigator mm-hmm. looking into the practices that assign the points and uh, grade the predictions. Okay, okay. To assure that there will be no collusion. No collusion. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what could we call it? The Gruber Report? Something like that? <laughs> we have some big news, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Big news. news. This is actually pretty huge news. Big news. So this fall, Relay FM will turn five years old, which is just, as a side note, completely mind-blowing to me. Yeah. And we are marking the occasion with a special live show in San Francisco. There is a ticket link in the show notes. This will be on Thursday, August 22nd in San Francisco. It is going to be a podcasting extravaganza. So we're going to have a bunch of Relay hosts there doing some fun stuff. It's not just like a regular connected or a regular upgrade. This is going to be just a full blowout of Relay uh, fun, good fun mm-hmm. times. Yeah, we're trying to get as many hosts in as we possibly can. We're trying to get as many people involved in the episode as possible um it's gonna be the most ambitious crossover event in history tickets are on sale um obviously space is limited because it's a venue in san francisco uh i'm very 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 excited about this uh we obviously have one big live show still to come before this one uh but i am very excited uh about our fifth anniversary live show so Mm -hmm. um we're gonna be doing a bunch of stuff um throughout uh, the rest of this year, I think, to try and celebrate our fifth anniversary because it's a pretty big deal for us. So uh, we hope that you'll join us in San Francisco um, on August 22nd. I, you know, I think this would be one that you wouldn't want to miss. So we're, 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 we're working on some stuff. We're going to shoot Mike Hurley out of a cannon. It's going to be great. I'm I'm like, I don't, actually, do you know what? I don't want, I will be the one with a surprise at this show. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I'm working on something. I'll let you know later on if it actually pans out. Uh, lastly, uh, sort of in this like follow-up topic zero big news section of the show, today Apple sent out invites to the WWC keynote to everyone's surprise. No one's surprise. It is Monday, June 3rd mm-hmm. in San Jose mm-hmm. in the conference center there. They're probably going to announce some software, maybe some hardware. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe maybe a service or maybe, two. You think there could be a service? Maybe the ARM maybe? Mac Pro, the mic will need to buy. 
it's yeah. possible. Yep. Maybe yep. the R, maybe the R Mac Pro would be possible. Steven so, would be the only person happy about that product of everybody that wants one. I actually, I would be happy about that actually. <laughs> no, but like of everyone that wants to own one, like Stephen oh, would yeah, be the sure. only person because it's gonna be free. <laughs> it's true. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I can't believe you made this promise in public. Sometimes I get excited. <laughs> well, a little too much, maybe. <laughs> so here's the question. Had you been editing that episode, would you have edited that promise out? No, I would have stayed in. I'm a man of my okay. word. Good. There. Good. No, I know you are. I just wanted that on the record. Much to my detriment. Just in case. Uh, so yeah, so WBC is will be there. All three of us will be, of course, at WBC all week. We have our live show. Mm-hmm. That Wednesday night, and uh, Federico and I will be at the keynote, which is mm-hmm. very exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased for you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Stephen will get. Oh, Stephen, you don't drink do- coffee, do you? Uh, I want. I, I want you to experience the terrible WWDC coffee with me. Uh, you I'll can. Be, just... <laughs> I'll be holding down the fort, being the only one of us bothering to take any notes uh, from a hotel room somewhere in, in San Jose, but I'm very, very happy for my co-hosts. Thank you, Michael. That they're going to be going, uh, especially Steven, cause it's going to be his first Apple event. So I know that's very exciting cause he deserves it. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped. So, uh, we'll see you in San Jose. If, if you're in San Jose, if you're not there, we won't see you. If you're not there, what's wrong with you? Really? That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah, come on. the point. Uh, so mm-hmm. cool. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Backblaze, the unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs that start at just $6 a month. Last time I read a Backblaze ad, I told you about how I lost a bunch of data in college, and it's a true story, and it made me sad. So I'm going to tell you about a different story today. A couple of months ago, back in, well, actually in the fall, in November, I was traveling on a family trip. I was in like rural North Carolina visiting family, and I had brought my laptop and my iPad, but I realized that there was something I needed to work on in the evening, and I realized that it was in the downloads folder on my iMac at home, and I'm, you know, hundreds of miles away. And then I remembered that all that stuff gets backed up on Backblaze. I was able to log into my account and download that file because Backblaze had backed it up from my iMac at home, it was in their service. I could go download it from where I was. And Backblaze is so much more than just a backup solution. It's really a safety net when you travel. It definitely saved my bacon on that trip. And you can sign up for a 15-day free trial with no credit card required at backblaze.com connected. Backblaze backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, everything on your computer that's important to you. And they really know what they're doing. They've backed up over 750 petabytes of data. They host these uh, great blog posts where they show how they build their uh, pods full of hard drives. Like They do real engineering to make this possible. It's 750 million gigabytes. It's, it's incredible. So avoid that looming data disaster. Go to backblaze.com connected for your unrestricted free trial and to tell them that you heard about them on Connected. That's backblaze.com slash connected. Head over there now. Thank you to Backblaze for saving us from countless day disasters and for their support of this show and Relay FM. We've got a couple of new apps we want to talk about. Uh, Mike, I know you are a big time tracker. You've been doing it a lot longer than I have. So could you tell us about Timery? Yeah, I can. I love this application. I'm very happy that it's out now so people will stop asking me when it's going to come out. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this uh, Timery is a time a third-party time tracking app which y- uses uh, the service Toggle, which is a time tracking application that 
that I use and am a fan of, but the Toggle app has always that's, left a lot to be desired. That's that's generous. They're not very good. I'm really trying to be kind. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying my best to be to be kind. I am a big fan of the of this application because it does everything that I want. It looks great. It's very simple. It's very fast to start timers. Like one of the things I like about this app. When you go in to start a timer, the first thing you do is start the timer running before you enter any of the information in, which just feels like the right way around to do things for, to me. Um, it's made by a developer whose name's Joseph Rebar, who's a super nice guy too. Like, uh, was you know, with, I've been on this beta for quite a few months, um, and he's been very like accommodating of little features that I think would be good for the application. But as somebody who really believes in and quite heavily time tracks, like, uh, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about these types of things. But the the application is very nice. I like that all of the entries are categorized really well and I can kind of at a glance get an idea of how much time I'm tracking. Um, I use the widget that it has, the notification center widget, constantly um, for a couple of things. One, it shows your current timer and you can stop it from there. It's like a super quick way for me to stop the timer. But you can also have listed there and in other views of the application, saved timers. So if you have specific timers with, with like projects and tags that are very frequent for you, you can set them up so you can quite quickly, like when you first open the application, just fire them off because they're all kind of like templates that you can hit or they live in the widget. And it also has extensive Siri shortcut support um, where you can basically create whatever timer you want and it can be fired off uh, with shortcuts. And there's a couple of other shortcuts in there too to like check the current entry, stop the current entry, that kind of stuff. Um, I haven't used the shortcuts too much because to be honest, like... I, well, the reason, the reason is when I'm doing the work, I'm usually at a device. And so I just set up, set it up on the device. Yeah. This is my problem with this or not my problem, but I haven't used them either because if I'm doing work, I'm either at my Mac and I have toggle running or I'm on my iPad or my phone with timer. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I just open the app and do it. Maybe that's just, you know, months of muscle memory and I'll, I'll like move to using Siri at some point, but it hasn't made a big impact on me yet. I mean, but this is like maybe part of a larger conversation for the fact that I actually do not ever trigger shortcuts by voice ever. Interesting. We can, we should probably talk about this at another time, but like I, I, I continue to find the experience to be less than reliable. Like I, I need, what I feel like would be constant reliability from that feature. And I feel like I can't get it because Siri too frequently is trying to jump in. Like, for example, this app's name is Timery, right? Or, and and I think of my toggle timers as timers. Siri does not like me to use the word timer. Siri gets very upset if I use the word timer. And then it's like, how far do I really want to go to change my own mental model for what I'm calling things? And to be honest, it's not far enough, right? Like, I don't want to start thinking about my, my time tracking and my time tracking timers as, like, different words. Because if I say, like, what, like, if I say, like, I set up a specific phrase and I ask Siri for it and then the HomePod just tells me I don't have any timers running. But what it's doing <laughs> is looking for food or cook, like, like the timers that I set for the clock app. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that is just too frustrating for me, which is probably why I haven't got that far with shortcuts because a lot of the applications and things that I want to do are things that the HomePod can do natively or Siri can do natively, right? So it's like calendar stuff and email stuff or whatever. 
and then the nomenclature is too close to what Siri thinks is native stuff. Right, Federico, do you find that? I mean, I'm sure that you probably have like a whole set of words that you use instead. But is what I'm saying? I do have the word timer in them. Yeah, you see, sometimes it works for me, and sometimes it doesn't. So, it's the second. It's the second word. Like, for example, I have yeah, maybe that's what it I is. I have article timer, and that starts the Mac Stories um, posts timer that I have, or I have yeah. like. Um, I guess it depends. I have a mix of them, but I know that at least five or six of them have the word timer in it. And yeah. um, uh, it's just, I was listening to you both and I'm the complete opposite. So I work on the iPad and I have timery there. And in fact, most of the time it's in slide over, but I think it's just easier for me to, to just shout at the HomePod and mm-hmm. start a timer. And it's relatively fast. It takes a couple of seconds. Uh, I just... I mean, maybe maybe I should look at it again. I mean, honestly, it's, it was kind of just like... I was I, I was frustrated with it for a while. Like, it wasn't giving me exactly what I wanted. And then I just stopped using it. Um, I mean, I use shortcuts all the time. But I manually activate them, right? And, and so... Plus, I think what it is as well... A lot of the shortcuts that I want to run... Uh, we're really kind of pushing into our last topic today already. Uh, a lot of the shortcuts that I want to run, they require action from me. So I feel like I can't get into a groove of always wanting to activate my shortcuts by voice because I can't activate them all by voice. If I was to think that, oh, shortcuts can always be Siri because I can Siri can ask me a question and I can give an answer, I think I'll be more inclined to do it, you know? But... The fact that like some you can and some you can't, some are like, oh, go check it on your phone. It's like, well, I should have just done this in the first place then, shouldn't I? So like, I think that that kind of disconnect is one of the things that's kept me away from using Siri for shortcuts because it's not a consistent experience as to what I can actually achieve. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of like kept me away from it. But timer is really good. Um, it, <laughs> it is, I mean, g- genuinely, like if you... If you are interested in time tracking, you should try it anyway, and you should sign up for Toggle. Like this only works with Toggle. This application it's like a third party app for this service. But if you are a Toggle user, no question, you should be using this app. Like it is so much better than the Toggle app. Like the one thing it doesn't have is like reports. But how often are you checking those, right? And when you need them, just go to the website anyway because they suck in the iPhone app as it is. So like the, I think that this application is fantastic. Um, and I really, really urge people to try it out. It's uh, free to download and free to try, and it has a subscription um, which enables a bunch more features. Uh, I really, really, really love this application. It's lived on my home screen since like the day I got the first beta, um, and it has really made like a significant difference in how I've been tracking my time. Like I use this way more than I well I don't use my my shortcuts workflows any shortcuts workflows my shortcuts shortcuts for this stuff anymore like the stuff that Federico <laughs> built wow. um, and I've started to replace yeah. like I have some more complicated ones that like set timers and open applications or whatever and I'm slowly starting to like and have been for a while going through and replacing all of those with uh with timery actions instead because i just prefer the way that the app works and and i think that it it is really well made and it's very well focused and i'm a big fan yeah i absolutely love timery it has replaced all of my workflows and now shortcuts um as i mentioned i activate the shortcuts via voice all the time 
uh, either on my phone or the watch or one of the many HomePods that I have. Um, I also do... I do only have one HomePod as well. Maybe that's like... Yeah. Well, one home. I only have HomePods in one room. Like, I don't have them in my office. But I could always just ask... Because then, because that's the other thing. I'm sorry. I'm going, I'm going back to this again. <sighs> The HomePods are in the other room, and then if I say the the high telephone phrase, even though I then can't hear what it's saying to me properly, but it can hear me, and then my phone won't do it. Anyway, I'm, man, mm. I'm on one today. Yeah. I'm sorry. But I also, in addition to the to to the voice shortcuts, I also use the Siri shortcuts for Timery as actions, as little action steps part of my longer custom shortcuts in the shortcuts app. So for example, I have a a shortcut that I run before I sit down to record a podcast. And Mm -hmm. this shortcut looks into my calendar and depending on the event name, which would be connected or Mm. app stories or adapt, it starts a different timery shortcut depending on the podcast that I'm about to record. I need to do this one. I need to do this. You told me about this before. Yeah. And, I, and like, I feel like I have an idea of how you would build it, right? Like just hearing you say that, and I really need to look into that. Yeah. Um, so I, I also want to call out the integration with tagging and tasks. Uh, these are two separate uh, toggle features. So ta- uh, tags allow you to w- just tag your timers and later you can use these tags as filters or just as better organization uh, if you want to use the reports on the in the web app and unfortunately reports and stats are not available yet in timery that's um, but there's an API for those so hopefully the developer will implement reports and stats in the future um, tasks are Something that not a lot of people know about because it requires a premium toggle account. Um, if you don't have a, if you just use toggle for free, um, the task feature will be completely hidden from Timery as well. But if you're a premium toggle user, you will be, you will be able to organize your projects in with tasks which are effectively like sub projects. So for example, I have Mac stories and using the toggle task uh, functionality, I can have Mac stories articles or Mac stories admin. You know, it's a way to break down a project into multiple areas. And with Timery, you can completely manage those tasks and you can create uh, saved timers for a specific uh, project and a specific subtask. It's really well done. Um, and yeah, I, I guess uh, there's a one feature that um, John called out in our review on Mac Stories, uh, which is something that the Toggle web app for desktop computers does very well, is the ability to group uh, related timers. So for example, if during the day, you've been working uh, on and off on different projects. The Toggle web app aggregates project, uh, all the timers belonging to the same project into one condensed view, and there's a button on the right that you can press to expand all of those timers. And it's just a way to condense all of the related timers into a more compact list. And I would like to see a similar grouping in Timery as well, because right now Timery only lists your timer your timers in reverse chronological order so from from the latest to the oldest but i would mm-hmm. like to see the grouping like the toggle web app for desktop because for some reason the toggle mobile app also does not do grouping uh because the toggle mobile app basically does nothing yeah uh, and what it does it just continues to do it in varying ways of bad i've never known an application hey give like them this. some credit 
they launched the iPad version a mere two weeks ago. They did. Well, mm. I mean, at least, it, honestly, at least it finally exists, but don't need it because Timery is universal. Yes, of course, and it's very good, and it's uh, one of, uh, I'm going to call it, it's going to be for sure one of the best app launches of the year in 2019. Damn! I mean, it's super awesome, and we all use wow. it at Mac Stories. It's it, it, very it's good. It's really good. Uh, yeah, so oh, hopefully now, Mike, uh, the... the Just want a Mac version. <laughs> Mac version. Mac version, Mac version. Just wait to the end of the year, no problem. This is perfect for Marzipan. Uh, It'll run really well on my ARM Mac Pro in December. It will. It will run natively on your ARM Mac Pro. Hopefully, Mike, now in the Cortex subreddit, people will stop asking, what's the time-tracking app that Mike and Gray keep mentioning? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's swept, switched over now. Now people are asking me for Android replace, like oh, versions no. or replacements. It's like, I can't help you. You know I can't help you. Like, you know, if you listen, you know I can't help you, <laughs> right? Like, I have... I have yeah. nothing for you. Super glad it's here. But it's not the only new app we want to talk about this week. Our friend and sometimes enemy Casey Liss. Frenemy. Has Frenemy. Frenemy of the show. He's not, he's not, he's not my enemy. He's a... No. Casey's a lovely man. He smells like um, cantaloupe when mm. you're up close to him. It's like very what? strange. It's kind of comforting. What is cantaloupe, that? Cantaloupe. Like a melon. It's like an orange melon. Oh, I thought it was like an animal. Like an antelope. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Casey, yes. Yeah. Well, poor Casey. So he's, he's been talking about this on ATP and Analog for a while now, and it's finally here. It's called Vignette, and it is, it's, it's like the perfect iOS app that takes a very narrow set of problems and just executes mm-hmm. very well on top of them. So the issue is we all probably in our contacts have people that we text with all the time or talk to all the time, and they don't have a photo in our contacts. It's just a gray circle with their initials over it. And look, I don't want to live like that. I want to live looking at people's faces. And in the past, before this app, that meant you have to like go around to Twitter and find people's pictures. Maybe you took a picture of them at a wedding and you you drop it into contacts on the Mac, but then it beach balls and crashes because it's contacts on the Mac. And it was very difficult to keep your contact database photos updated. Casey's app is designed to solve that. So it's an iPhone app. It skims your local contacts database. It does not upload them anywhere. It does not log into any of your accounts. It's all local on the device, which I love. So there are other services like this, like on the web. It's like, you got to do some things, your contacts Mm -hmm. you don't want to do. This app's all local and it searches for the people in your database. So it looks uh, at Gravatar, which is where the bulk of mine came from. Someone's email address is in a contact record. They use that email address on Gravatar. It pulls their photo in. But it can also look at their Twitter profile, Instagram, or Facebook. If you have their uh, links to their social media accounts in your records of your contacts, and I don't have any of those. Most people probably don't. So Gravatar was the big fallback for me. But it goes out and fetches those images and then gives you a list saying, okay, I found 32 people with updated images. And it lets you select, I want to override all of them. I just want to override a select few. So for instance, uh, I have some people in my contacts that I like very carefully chose the photo that I have for them in my contacts list. And it's not necessarily the, the one they use on Twitter or elsewhere. And so I could just uh, skip over those people and use the photo that I already had. And then you hit apply and it applies them and they sync everywhere. And it's awesome. Yeah, this is like the perfect example of you have an idea, which is a thing that people actually want to fix, and then you make an app that perfectly fixes it. It's just like, I think Casey did a really great job, and like obviously he's a very close friend, 
But I'm actually really proud of him because I think he's done a very, very good job with this application. And I think that it is worth people's time, um, especially because you can download the app for free and do the scan of your contacts and you only pay when you apply the, the, the features. You, you pay and then you can, you can apply the updates and then you, you, know, you can then do it for as many times as you want from that point. But you can actually see, it's like a try before you buy. You can actually see if it's going to be of a benefit to you. Because if you have a lot of friends who don't have any, like a Gravatar, and you haven't put that information into the contact database, like their Twitter account or their Facebook account or whatever, it's not going to find anything. So like I think he did a really good job with the way that in which he has done things because you can work out if this app's going to be of any use to you before you buy it. Um, I think he's done a, a genuine. I, I'm very proud of him. I think he's done a great job. Um, we did we recorded an episode of Analog yesterday, um, which was fun because I always like talking to people just before something happens because you can kind of get those raw feelings. So if you're interested in what kind of like what it was like for him to make the app um and then what it felt for him the day before he released it you can you can go listen to episode 157 of analog but this app is definitely worth your time as well um because i i it, it has actually genuinely solved the thing that i wanted solved so it's great mm-hmm. yeah it's a very good app and uh um it i'm like i was surprised how many of my contacts were without profile pictures and it's just it's such a simple idea, and it's been realized so well. And uh, even the the you know the thought of adding a custom field for Instagram to the contact card that was genius. So um, I should also point out that I'm only friends with um, folks who make great apps. So uh, you know the disclaimer of saying well, Casey's a friend. Of course, he's a friend because he makes great apps. I'm, I can I cannot be friends with developers who make uh, terrible apps. It's like like for example, like all of my friends are handsome and beautiful. Like I can I yeah. cannot be friends with ugly people. Um, yes. So I have very Oof. high standards for my friends, uh-huh. and my friends make great stuff. So um, right, I have uh, you know I have filters for my personal life, and this is one of them. Um, so it's only natural that this is a great app because it's my friend. So if it sucked, I would have told Casey, this app sucks and you're no longer my friend. Yeah, if one of your friends makes a bad app. Oh, I get upset. I get upset. I get real to, upset. Like, what have you done? You like, have to break up with them. You ruined everything. I, I was working on a project a while back with another person and he came up to me with something that was ugly and terrible. Like, I basically told him, why would you bring this to my attention? Uh, like this is a waste of time. Do you know me at all? And uh, eventually, we we figured it out. Um, you know, I have very high standards for everything. So, mm, yep. I'm sorry. This is just who I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that look into your psyche, but here we are. Hey, look, you should, as long as you know yourself, you know. All right, we have some more stuff to talk about, but let me tell you about our second sponsor, and that is FreshBooks. If you're a freelancer or you have a side project, imagine what it would be like to save. 192 hours. That is, uh, it's eight full days. And that's if you work 24 hours a day, which you shouldn't do. We don't recommend that. But our friends at FreshBooks can help you save that much time with their simple cloud accounting software. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. 
FreshBooks automates things like late payment email reminders. So you don't have to spend time keeping up with who's paid you and who's late and sending emails and then it being weird that you send an email. The FreshBooks system just takes care of all of that, chasing those late payments and giving you more time to do what's important. And when you do email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it or not. So you're not playing a guessing game if your client's lying to you or not, if they saw your invoice. You you know, they know, and so you can just talk like adults and get paid on time. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. We've used it at Relay FM from day one before they were a sponsor. We're coming up on invoice 2000. I'm going to send that invoice. And I, I'm telling you, I'm going to send nope, that invoice. it's going to be mine. And it's going to be, be great. Mine. Thank you. It'll be mine. Well, we'll, we'll see how that mm-hmm. how that goes. But uh, I can't tell you how much time it saved us as a company, allowing us to focus on what really matters in our business. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. All you need to do is go to freshbooks.com slash connected and enter the code connected in the how did you hear about us section. I'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. MacBook Pros. Mm. We're gonna chant. You ready? MacBook Pros. You're gonna chant? Come on. Do we have to do we have to talk about this? Yes. Is it important? Yeah. I, I have to talk about it. I mean, if you want to get a coffee or something. Apple Apple released a revision to their laptop line yesterday. So this is so just to confirm, this is important. Yes. Okay. Cool, cool. No, no, just just cool. It is. All right. You can take a break. Okay. Right? Because you've got to talk a lot yeah, next. Yeah, go get a coffee. Mm-hmm. Take a walk. I don't need... Yeah, okay. I was just double checking. We can no, just call you fine. back. <laughs> yes, okay. So Apple... Uh, for the last several years now, Apple has sort of cleared the decks before WWDC with announcements that aren't going to be in the keynote. I think sometimes they use these to like signal expectations. Whatever the case is this year, there are some new MacBook Pros. So very quickly... The 13-inch with touch bar got a spec bump to faster CPUs in the base model and faster turbo speeds. So same machine, same 16-gig RAM limit, but uh, faster Intel CPUs. Still the same generation, the 8th generation. But the 15-inch is really where most of the attention was placed with uh, new 6-core and, for the first time, 8-core 9th generation Intel CPUs. So the 2399 model is 6-core i7, uh, 2800 bucks will get you an 8-core i9, and you can configure an 8-core i9 with up to 5 gigahertz turbo boost. Apple says this is the fastest MacBook Pro they've ever shipped. It includes, of course, options for the Vega graphics that they added towards the end of the year last year. So in July, they had a big update to the MacBook Pro. That's where mine came from. They had a release in the fall with new GPUs. Now they have these. I totally love that Apple is spec bumping this computer as they can. You know, there was for, for such a long time there, it felt like their eye was off the ball with these sorts of updates. This is, Federico, to your point, this is not that necessarily that exciting of a MacBook Pro update unless you just really wanted eight cores. I mean, if you're really pushing a MacBook Pro, this is good news. But for most people, including myself, this this isn't going to make me go out and and radically change my setup. But it's it's a signal that Apple is willing to update these machines as it can, you know, every 10 months, uh, 12 months, somewhere in there. So I think that's awesome. But I do think it raises some questions. Uh, and I've got a handful of them. 
One, will we ever see a 15-inch without a dedicated GPU again? So in the 2015 generation and before, the baseline 15-inch you could get with just the Intel integrated graphics. And uh, as Marco talked about sort of in that time and as I agreed with, that was kind of the machine to get if you wanted a bigger screen, but you valued uh, battery life mm. and heat because the, the the dedicated GPU runs a little hotter, obviously has an impact on battery life. And if you didn't need the GPU, but you just wanted the screen size, that was a really good option. And that has gone away with, with the uh, Thunderbolt 3 machines and who knows if we'll ever see it again. But uh, it's kind of uh, just a, a an asterisk on any time they update these. But what's more interesting is what is going on with the 12-inch MacBook and the non-touch bar MacBook Pro, which Federico lovingly calls the MacBook Escape. No, I do not. I came back from my walk to say that I do not. <laughs> I ran. <laughs> the Verge called it the MacBook Escape in their article. So well, like, the Verge is wrong. The Verge is not well, God. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's, I mean, that was Marco's nickname, so mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome. It's made it into like mainstream. Well, we're gonna have to revise this friend's situation with Marco Oof. then, if he insists on using nicknames. Wait a second. <laughs> Your wait, does that override? He makes a good app. Does that override his app? See, that's that's the problem. He, make, he makes a great app, but he uses nicknames, so they sort of cancel out. Interesting. Uh, I guess we'll have to establish. So he's on a level playing field. Yeah. Well, so now I guess it's all about how attractive you find him. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I know he's been working out. He's been working out. So <laughs> we'll, ch- we'll check it out. With the beard looks see. good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's a dog person. Uh, he's a dog person. So by default, he, he wins. So if you're a dog person, mm-hmm. that um, defeats all the other factors. So being so you can be not good looking. Yes. Make a bad yes. app and use nicknames. But if you have a dog, mm. you're all we good. We can have some kind of acquaintance. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That'd be fine. But if you're non-good looking, make a bad app and use nicknames and also are a cat person, just don't even like, uh, don't even walk oh near me. Yeah. What is your email address? It's on my website. Okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. So, if you <laughs> please send me feedback. I really want to hear what mm-hmm. you think about my uh, weird and Grading twisted psyche. Yes. Mm-hmm. You were uh, talking about this very important computer. Yes. Something. GPUs. Yes. So, this is now the second re- release. <laughs> this, is, this is now the second release where these two machines have not gotten an update. They are the same as they were in 2017, which means the old keyboard, old CPUs, uh, and my thought is, is that the the non-touch bar machine is only there for a price yeah. point. The touch bar 13 inch is pretty expensive. It also feels sort of irrelevant in the era of the new MacBook Air. Like the Air kind of fills that price point. And so do you need a MacBook Pro there? Is it just legacy? What's the deal? I still think as I predicted, I think, or it was a non-graded pick. At some point I said in our predictions that I think the, this machine will go away. I still think that. I think that case is even stronger after this lack of updating. It makes sense too that like if that six that 16 inch rumored amazing MacBook Pro was probably never going to replace either of these. Like it would go in at the top end like the Retina MacBook Pro it did, right? Oh, of course. And so then it then the, the the 13 with touch bar becomes just the Mac like the entry MacBook Pro. The, the base, sure, and yes, it's like whatever it is, fourteen ninety nine or fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. But it's it's, uh, yeah. So the the rumor of the um this high end like sixteen inch MacBook Pro with a new design, I think you've really hit the nail on the head. Of 
it, if and when that thing comes to pass, if it's at WWDC or if it's later, I think it will be exactly how they introduced the the Retina MacBook Pro in 2012, where th- they had the same MacBook Pros that they had. In fact, they revved them, I think, in the, that same day. And they said, hey, and now we have a new model at the top of the line. This is like the fancy one. All computers will be like this, but for now, it's only the special one. And then over time, mm-hmm. it trickled down, and now they all have Retina displays and look like that. So. I think they will follow that pattern again this time. The 12-inch MacBook, I think, is the more interesting question here. Like, say the the non-touch bar just goes away, whatever. It failed. The MacBook Air is here. The MacBook Air is awesome. You should get that instead. The 12-inch, I think, still does have a place. Now, I still think it's probably too expensive. But I do think that there are people who value the thinness and lightness and portability above all else. And I really have come to understand this better in the last couple of weeks. I needed a second. Normally in the summer, I install the Mac OS beta on my mm-hmm. MacBook Pro. And I leave my iMac alone because it's my production machine. But I have a lot of travel this summer. I've got uh, several like personal trips, I have WWDC, and of course now we can talk about it. I have this trip to San Francisco in August for our live show. I'm unwilling to run a macOS beta on a machine that I need for the, those sorts of trips because I got to record shows live on stage, I got to stream audio, and like that's not the best thing to do on a macOS beta. And so I was thinking, like, well, how am I going to run the macOS beta? Do I do it on an external drive? And then I remembered I have a 2015. The original one-port MacBook. It was my wife's machine for a long time. She has a new Air. And so I got it up off the shelf and put Mojave on it. And I don't want to use that machine. It's slow and the keyboard is bad and one port is dumb. But the size is sort of intoxicating. I can see why people really like the thinness and lightness. So I've kind of come around on this machine mm-hmm. existing because it's it's so portable. I mean, it's like nothing else in the Mac line. Even the MacBook Air that she has now feels way bigger and heavier than this thing. So I think there's still room for it to exist. Maybe they're holding off because it's going to be the first ARM Mac, as a lot of people have predicted. Maybe it's that they just haven't put the new Intel CPU in it. I do believe there are Core M processors they could use, but they just haven't gotten around to it for whatever reason. So that's kind of the shifting The shifting ground of the MacBook Pro is, is still like – a problem. Like it's still unclear where these machines, how they fit together. But if you want a 15 inch, now seems like a yep. good time to buy it. We do talk about the keyboards though. So the 2019 machines have a keyboard and uh, Apple says that they have changed the material in the, in the butterfly mechanism in a way that should substantially reduce issues that some users have seen with key sticking and debris. And we all know that story. I guess we'll see if it works. This is now like the fourth iteration of this keyboard, depending on how yep. you count them. Apple's still calling it the third-generation keyboard because it has the membranes, so, like, whatever. You can also count it as the fifth-generation keyboard if you really, like, count very specifically. So, whatever. They keep – the number doesn't matter. They keep reworking this keyboard, and uh, we'll see if it it happens to fix it or if it doesn't. But what's really interesting is – the keyboard repair program has been expanded to now cover all butterfly keyboards. So they lumped in the 2018 MacBook Pro and the 2018 MacBook Air, like we have in my household, and the brand new 2019 model. So if you buy a new $3,000 15-inch MacBook Pro tomorrow at the Apple Store with a 8-core CPU in it, it is covered under the keyboard repair program. Yeah, and they also made like a lot of statements to some outlets that they are doing a lot to, I find this so funny, really, 
to reduce the wait times and stuff like that, how long it takes to get things fixed if you do have a problem. It's kind of funny, right? Like Apple say, and like there's a great quote from Jason Snell's article where he's like, while Apple is quick to say that the vast majority of the MacBook Pro customers haven't experienced any keyboard issues, the company still keeps tweaking this design. And it's like, if if because Apple seem to like really want to talk about the fact that they don't get that many people with these problems, but yet at the same time they're extending the whole like keep like the replacement program to everyone. They're making great strides at trying to like fix it. If you go in with a third generation uh, keyboard, they will upgrade it to this new material model, right? Like the, the, yeah. it's like yeah, I mean you 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 say what you're saying and what you're doing, they don't really match, and it's like okay, it's still maybe mm-hmm. a small amount of people. But it's clearly more than before, right? Because you're having to go to all this trouble. Right. I want to be clear because we glossed over it. it. It seems like the 2018 models will get the new 2019 keyboards. If you have an older one, you're not going to get this yeah. keyboard. So it's very limited in the changeover. My feeling is that it may make it better, but I think more important to Apple at this point is like the damage control angle. And and look, when I bought my 2018, I got Apple Care on it because I get Apple Care on my computers. But, you know, I've heard from a lot of people and seen a lot of tweets and emails of people like, I feel like I bought Apple Care just because of the keyboard. And now I guess it's sort of a, a sign of Apple saying, we're going to take care of you no matter what with this keyboard issue. And I think that's good. I still don't know if if it's fixed or if people should trust it. I will say that my 2018 has been mostly okay. The space bar has gotten sticky twice, but compressed air has cleaned it out. No keys have broken off like on my 2016. Time will tell. And until then, Apple seems willing to do what it can to help the customers mm-hmm. with this machine. Now, the thing they could do to help them the most is to have a new keyboard, but clearly that's not not the time for that yet. So so here we are, new MacBook Pros, slightly new keyboard, extended keyboard repair program. It's, it's, it's interesting they're doing it now. I guess they're kind of saying that, hey, um, if they had done this at WWC – a bigger story during the conference would be the keyboards. And now this has its own new cycle and it'll be gone by the time that the keynote comes around. So I see why they did it now, but it's uh, it's a little bit of a bummer that it's not completely solved. What do you think about the rumor of the new MacBook Pro? Do you think this makes it more likely, less likely or no different? I don't think it makes it any different. I, I still think they could do that. Uh, in two weeks in San Jose and say, hey, look, there's this new high-end MacBook Pro. It's all fancy and new. It's obviously more expensive, more powerful, whatever, new design. I think that's still totally on the table for WWDC. I don't think this makes it less likely. So we'll see. I I don't know how likely it is. I don't feel like, say that I was 30% sure that it was coming. I don't think that number's changed for me because of this. But uh, if they do that, that path that we talked about a second ago about this is a new machine like the Retina MacBook Pro was, and eventually it stuff will trickle down. They could really do that at any point, I think, and be okay. Keyboards and laptops. Uh, I'd love never to mm-hmm. talk about this again, but Mm-mm. we're not there yet. Mm-mm. We're not there yet. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell us tell everybody about text expander mike do you want to call federico and get him back because i know he checked out during yeah the- I'll, I'll 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 send a carrier pigeon his way this episode of connected is brought to you by text expander from our friends at smile text expander lets you insert words phrases forms templates and more with just a couple of key clicks 
everywhere you type. You don't have to be in the Text Expander app or their weird floating palette. Anywhere you're typing, you can use Text Expander. You can take control of your time and productivity by letting Text Expander handle your repetitive typing tasks. So if you have language that you send out to customers often or something that you, you know, end up typing into a form all the time at work, you can automate that with Text Expander and get some time back. The brand new Text Expander 6.5 is now available on the Mac and Text Expander 2.0 is available on Windows. Both new versions are supporting a new visual editor for snippets. This makes it really easy to see and edit snippet fill-ins, dates, and date math. So many of my snippets involve dates, and now it's really easy to build those. You can do nested snippets and much more. Yeah, I just actually built a few of these this week, and it was way easier than ever before. Like, I was really pleased with it. Like, to just add in the date stuff was really nice. I like that a lot. And if you love Text Expander and you want to tell people about it, you can join their affiliate program to earn a little something extra when people sign up. And if you're like me, always looking for ways to become more productive, again, Text Expander lets you take care of those repetitive phrases and paragraphs unbelievably fast. You could type an entire paragraph in just a second. It's like a superpower. I've used Text Expander for so long on my Macs and iOS devices. Using a computer without it just I can't even comprehend it. It's so built into my workflows. Simple things like dates and time all the way uh, up through uh, drop-in forms. So I have this this task I do every couple of weeks where I pay people for relay and I need to put their names in a form and it has to be like spaced and typed exactly correctly. And I have a text expander form for that. I, I do my snippet. I get a drop-down menu. I pick the name and I hit OK. So I don't have to worry about copying and pasting or typoing somebody's name. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander. Our thanks to TextExpander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Federico, you published uh, the article that you've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And I think uh, probably in essence, the best way to describe it, the magnum opus to working on the iPad right now, right? Like this is this is everything. This is what if you want to work on the iPad right now, this is the situation that we are in in uh, the middle of 2019. So I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit, well, we all want to talk to you a little bit about the article and, and kind of where it came from. And, and then I have some comments on, on the content itself. Okay. Uh, it was kind of funny because how many words? This is a big one. It's like 50,000 words or something. This right? is 48,000, uh, 49 almost, a thousand words. Oh. It's bigger than my iOS 12 review. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, really? Yes. Wow, it was really funny because you sent this to us like a few days ago so we could read it uh, beforehand. And, uh, you know, it took me quite a while. But it was kind of funny, like Stephen was just like, oh, great. And then he popped in later on and he was like, oh, that was really good. I read it. And it was like <laughs> 90 minutes later yeah. and I'd gotten through like yeah. a quarter yeah. in the same amount of time. <laughs> it, was so, it was just so heartbreaking. I'm a very fast reader. It, it, it disappoints my wife as well. So sometimes like we're reading something together. I'm like, turn the page, turn the page. Oh, that's the worst. I'm one of those people that, like, I hear my voice in my head when I read, um, which, you, right? Which you obviously don't because mm. you would not be able to I don't. deal with it. Actually, I hear your voice in my head when I read. It's very strange. You hear it faster <laughs> than upsetting. I do then. Yes, it takes me it takes me quite a while, but I read through it. Oh, it was really good. Um, but I, I kind of... A feeling that I got, though, while reading the article was I, I just assumed that when you set out to start this project, it probably wasn't the scope that it ended up yeah, being. Very good assumption. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why exactly I feel that, 
but it just well maybe one like probably not the best time of the year for you to be writing such a huge article considering you've got to do it again starting in two weeks but well, hmm, hmm. okay uh i get that like why would you want to do this now um but it is true that i that it started as a more limited um article um but the scope grew quickly so it's not like suddenly two weeks ago i realized oh i i've been writing too much um like for like uh, <laughs> so i'm gonna talk about this entire process in the in the weekly newsletter this friday but basically uh i started thinking about wanting to have at least two big stories on the website before wwdc in february and i just started saving some notes some ideas uh, basically having like a super simple outline and initially i wanted to do uh, an ipad story and an apple watch story and both of them th those ideas those notes that i had they did not have the scope of you know this major ios review like um story uh I kept those notes for like a month. So I kept thinking about those ideas. And then it was in late March when I decided, uh, realistically speaking, I'm not going to be able to do two stories and I'm going to focus on this iPad one. And I guess that it should have a bigger scope than what I initially set out to do. Uh, for example, it was not supposed to include accessories. It was not supposed to include the bridge keyboard and working with external displays. Um, it was not supposed to include scriptable and JavaScript automation. So all those elements were supposed to be like separate posts that I wanted to have on Mac Stories. And realizing that I'm not going to be able to do two stories, so I just want to do one, and I want to make sure that it leaves an impression, uh, that forced me, and that happened during the mind mapping process, um, that forced me to reconsider the scope of the story and say, okay, maybe there's a way that I can um, expand and, and still have it feel like a single cohesive story instead of a bunch of sort of disconnected um, posts um so i i spent a few days in the mind map trying to make sense of it all and there were still a few a few sections that got cut um there was a section about the apple pencil um there was a section about ipad apps that have a three column layout uh both of them were cut um but yeah, it, it started as a more simpler thing. Like I was just going to talk about multitasking file management and wishes for iOS 13. Um, but, uh, but then I realized, you know, I, I'm going to be able to do just one uh, story because we were also launching other projects and all of that. But also, you mentioned, why would you want to do this before WWDC? You're going to have to write a long article again in a few weeks. That is true, but I realized I want to go to WWDC with an article that maybe people can read during the during the during the trip to San Jose, um, and I wanted to make sure that I will have something that people will keep thinking of at WWDC, like have people go to San Jose with this article in, on their minds, and to sort of have one final update because I know that iOS 13 is gonna change things right for the iPad, and. I didn't want all my experiments and all my setup changes and all my research go to waste. So I wanted to have like one final update, one final sort of 
like state of the union type of article before WWDC so that people would keep thinking of that so that maybe I could they could draw some comparisons between my article and what ends up being in iOS 13 but also I wanted to sit to this is effectively for me an investment in my sanity going forward because in my uh, in my iOS 13 review I will not have to waste well not waste but you know um spend as much time uh, on offering historical context for this is how file management used to be or this is how multitasking used to be because I've already done the work in May and April so that's why um, does this feel like a new annual story or is this mm, like you wanted no. to catch everybody up and then that's that? Yeah, not, not an annual thing. Uh, I, uh, I've done iPad stories before. I've done one in 2014 when, f- with the iPad or two, and I did one in 27, one in 2016, uh, for the first year of the iPad pro, I think, um, I don't see myself doing an iPad state of the union like this every year. Maybe every couple of years. I don't know if I would do a story of this scope again. There's only so much you can say about like here's why I use the iPad and I said I don't want to repeat myself every couple of years. If you I'm going to talk about this later if you accept the fact that I like to work on the iPad, well, this is it. This is why. Uh, I I don't Im- I I cannot see myself in you know in twenty twenty one or something saying again. Well, it was twenty twelve when I was doing chemo, and that's why I started using the iPad. Like it's not a story that I want to tell every couple of years. Yeah, I I think you did it justice by using the review layout mm. on the site because a it is there's just so much here. Reading it as a flat blog post would have been uh, difficult, but. I think it's nice because it's broken up that say that multitasking gets a big overhaul in a couple of weeks or, you know, shortcuts get some amazing overhaul in five years. You've you've built it for your use case of referring to it in the future that you can point people to a direct section and say this is this is where you need to go if you want the background. Uh, and I think it deserves this sort of fancy layout because it is such an incredible piece of work. The animations are amazing. Uh, you guys talked to Brian, who helped you with the animations on App Stories this week. People should go check that out. But it feels, as a reader, uh, like the big story that it is. And and I like that you've sort of put a flag in the ground saying, this is where we are with iOS 12 up to this point. Uh, because, A, clearly you believe that iOS 13 has the ability to change a bunch of this stuff and that hopefully there's a lot of these complaints and issues in here just won't be a problem in two weeks. But even if they're not, it's a, it's, it's sort of a, uh, a, a capturing a moment in time with where you are with it. And even if things don't change in two weeks, they will hopefully change in the future. And uh, I think that's kind of important when considering a, a platform as that still as dynamic as, iOS on the iPad. Yeah, um, uh, I hope that's the case. I mean, even if iOS 13 ends up being a major disappointment for the iPad, there's still this article. It's still going to be valid. Uh, But one of the... uh, You mentioned capturing a moment in time. Uh, One of the... One of the things that is always difficult for me is to strike a balance between what is personal and what can be also relatable for other people. Like, 
when I'm writing a personal story like this one, it's about my usage of the iPad. Am I writing it for me or am I writing it for other people? And of course, I want to make sure that other people, that readers can get something out of it. So those sections <laughs> that I cut um, where they, they felt to me a little too personal, like I was writing them just as a personal research exercise and not with they were not something that I felt that readers could get some value out of. And so striking this balance of, for example, the podcasting setup from the uh, chapter five, the external, the external accessories, um, that is incredibly personal. And in the sense that it's the setup that I like, that works for me, that I do not recommend to other people because I wrote as much in the story. But it makes it, it it underlines a bigger point of how does the iPad Pro work with external USB and audio accessories in the context of the USB-C port in the 2018 iPad Pro? And the answer is it's pretty terrible, but still it kind of works for me. And so that despite the extremely mm. personal nature, it felt like a good example. So that's that that really was the uh, when I was working on the notes and the mind map before I started writing going through all the sections and and trying to apply this filter of is this something that i that i'm gonna have fun writing about but also is this gonna be useful in the context of does it prove a bigger point does it fit the underlying theme of the story and if it did not uh then it got cut so yeah i really like the conclusion um, there was like one line that really resonated with me in a way that I wasn't expecting. So you were kind of talking about the fact that when Steve Jobs introduced the iPad, it was referred to as like this third device, right? That like your iPhone is great for this and your Mac is great for this, but sometimes wouldn't it be nice if each of them had a bit of each other and there could mm. be this device in the middle? And it was like, like, oh, here's the third device. So you say today the iPad Pro is my laptop, the iPhone is my pocket computer, and the Mac is the third device that's better at specific tasks i didn't really realize that that's kind of where i am but it is where i am and it's just it's my own personal use cases for these devices that has led me to this position but it is kind of funny to see that like you know nearly 10 years later that the idea of the third device for some people uh has changed and and that's kind of kind of where we are and i really really heavily resonate with that yeah, um, I'm I'm pleased that you like that, um, and it sort of um, it plays into this theme, this idea that there's some people out there who believe that certain certain design decisions are sacred; they should never change, and whatever Steve Jobs decided ten years ago should be forever. Uh, and you see this in UI design, you see this in hardware design, and I think that's a that's a sad outlook. That's a sad way and, and really a limited way to look at not just technological progress, but at life, because time moves on and things change. And uh, the iPad maybe started as a way to read a book or read the New York Times or, you know, just chill on the sofa and, and you know, browse the web. But it is so obvious that over time it has become so much more. And not, not because, you know, Mike Hurley and Federico are making this up or are sort of trying to make this a trend. This is not propaganda that we're attempting to spread. Apple is selling an iPad called the iPad Pro. Like, I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. It exists. It's a thing that Apple is selling. And we're just following the evolution of this product. And so... 
Uh, I was uh, concerned about using that analogy or sort of trying to flip that quote on its head and say mm. the iPad is now the notebook and the Mac is the third device. Uh, because I, you know, I, I, I'm going to talk about this in a bit, but uh, I try w whenever possible not to make people upset. And while this may be, you know, I say a bunch of silly things on this show, but I feel like listeners know that I'm kidding, I hope. Uh, like, I... I for example, I can be friends with non-good-looking people. Like, <laughs> I no, no, you, don't you, everyone, you should see what he's been texting us during this show. It's horrific the things he's been sure. saying. <laughs> That's. I feel like listeners can separate on on a podcast. I feel like listeners can separate sort of the character that I play sometimes uh, with the real person that's doing the podcast. But when I write something, that is taken at. Like it gets passed around, and people take screenshots, and they they quote sections on Reddit. You know how it goes. It's it's easier for something that you write to be used against you. And um, so I was concerned about that quote, but the more I I thought about it, the the better it felt, and it felt true. And then when I shared it with you, you told me this is true for me as well. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm just going for it. So I'm mm -hmm. I'm glad that it worked. What 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 is the other point that you wanted to make about this stuff? Mm, yeah, uh, well, I guess it, it comes with the territory of um, whenever I publish these stories, um, there's a subset of uh, people in this in this community, the community of folks who read Mac stories and maybe they're in Fireball and maybe listen to a few relay shows um, that they believe that. I and others are on some kind of payroll by Apple and mm -hmm. that we're just spreading propaganda, like you said, or that it's in our interest to um, write positive things about Apple because I, I genuinely believe those people believe we get paid, um, which is not true, obviously. Uh, I get paid because I, I'm fortunate enough to have sponsors and subscribers. Um, but I'm... Um, it's one thing to believe that, and it's totally fair. But, and, you know, uh, I, I've, uh, I was taking a look on Reddit and Twitter, and some, um, there's some comments that really make you think, like, what is it the, the image that people have of what I do? And just scrolling through the Reddit thread, um, I was called a, uh, a snake oil yeah, seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of all the other things. Yeah, like um, this idea that the iPad is terrible. Therefore, if you write about working on the iPad, you are writing false information because all you care about is being considered by Apple for whatever reason they believe, whatever crazy theory they have. Um, and also, there's the fact that every time I write, I write about the iPad, um, and I'm and I and I make sure to convey this point. I'm not trying to prove that the iPad is better than the Mac for everybody. I'm trying to prove that it's better for me and that maybe by sharing my experiences, there's going to be other people who can, who can find that useful. But mm -hmm. I never try to say Apple should stop selling Macs or the Mac is done, goodbye Mac OS. Like I, 
the entire point of this article is that I believe, like, and I literally wrote this and quoted this and, and used pull quotes throughout the story to highlight this point, is that I believe there are certain ideas that macOS got right decades ago and that Apple should maybe take a look at those ideas again and reconsider them for iOS. But there's still a few folks who tweet at me and share comments on Reddit. Uh, this is ridiculous. Is uh, Well, the, the, trolls can't be bothered to actually read what you write. So uh, the type of people who are going to throw grenades on Twitter aren't the type to actually take what you yeah. say. Yeah. Seriously, they just want to yeah. troll. So. Look, I, I'm used to this, right? I've been doing this for 10 years. Uh, all these, uh, you know, being called names. Uh, there's folks who call me pathetic or ridiculous. And I wish I was kidding, but this is actual, you know, these are actual words that people use for an article. First of all, I think it's sad that, uh, no, not for me, it's sad for you that, you know, instead of, like, you want to criticize my work, fine, but why would you need to call anybody, not just me, names on the internet? It's really not classy or elegant. Uh, it's really not a, personally speaking, I don't think it's a good, you know, it's a good way to, to live your life, to call other people mm -hmm. pathetic or ridiculous. But uh, um, I think it's, uh, what saddens me is that for some people, I am not able to convey the fact that I'm, that I genuinely believe in what I write. And instead, some people always see the the conspiracy behind it uh they believe that uh i'm doing this because apple is paying me or like and i wish there was a way for me i wish there was a way for me to fix those people like to say why don't you believe me it, because just because it not because i need them but because it makes me sad that they that they think that of me right it's like I, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm, I'm not able to convey my feelings here, but it's just, I find it sad that um, th this is generally what I believe in and what I'm passionate about. Uh, I guess it's just impossible to please everybody. And there's always mm -hmm. going to be, especially when once you're, you know, you put your work on the internet, there's always going to be folks, you know, from nine-year-olds to, you know, uh, old people who've been using computers for 50 years. Uh, it's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you for whatever reason. That is fine, but it still saddens me to an extent. So, uh, yeah, wow, that felt good to say this. Yeah, yeah. But let's not focus on that, though, no, right? No, like, that's no. That's not what this is about. Like, you've produced something which is very interesting and I think quite important. I'm very happy and with it. it. I'm very, good. honestly, I'm very happy with what I did. Yeah. Good, you should be. I mean, it's wonderful. Like, so I just don't want you to... to one, obviously, you shouldn't think of it that way, but I don't want our listeners to think that that's what this is about, this conversation. No. yeah, yeah, totally. You know, yeah. And people I should, say should that, read this thing. The, the vast majority of, of people have been extremely kind and, yeah. and like, the response... Yeah. I was not expecting to have the kind of response that an iOS review would get in September when there's more attention and people have been looking forward to that uh, in May, which is incredible. So I I'm extremely happy for the overall uh, reception and response mm -hmm. from readers and everybody else. So uh, it's just, you know, those people, they're, they're still on my mind sometimes, but I'm very happy, honestly. Yes, I feel very good. Good. You should be. You deserve that. Uh, it's an incredible piece. It's obviously linked in the show notes. Take some time, go through it, and you will enjoy it. You know, for somebody like me, who I am primarily on the Mac, 
I went through it and downloaded three or four apps and a bunch of shortcuts. Cause like, as you were talking about things like, Oh, that'd be great if I could solve this or do it this way. And I think, I think the, the biggest example for me is the local storage deal. So in the files app, there is on my iPad storage and then there's a bunch of folders mm-hmm. for apps that populate things there. But as a user, I can't put things there. And there's a third party app that basically fixes that. It's like, Oh, this is something I need right now. And now it's on both my devices. So it's not just Federico talking about Federico things. Like there is real everyday use, like tips and and things in here that are useful to all sorts of people. So thank you for improving the stuff I'm doing on the sure. iPad by letting me read it. Um, Anything else to talk about this? Uh, you're still going to do your iOS 13 rev- review. Is there anything anything you're going to take mm. from this into that review? I know you mentioned that now you feel like you don't have to do as much backstory in the review, but are there certain things that came up in this article that you're going to make sure to touch on again in the fall? Yeah, I mean, all the the core chapters, so file management and um, working with an ex- external keyboard and, and shortcuts, um, all of those will be key areas of interest uh, in the review. I guess um, something that I that I took away from working on this is that maybe the review layout uh, could use some modernization on the website. We've been using this special layout for the iOS 11 review, iOS 12 review, and now this story. So there's probably a few, I don't want to change it, like I don't want to have an entirely new design, but I would like to do some improvements this summer if we have time. So there's a few things that I would like to improve. Um, I'm definitely going to do uh, the 3D uh, rendered animation again. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, working with Brian has been awesome and you know the the freedom of having 3D models instead of sort of static 2D uh templates in Sketch or Photoshop has been so much yes, better. Please we can try every all time. sorts of crazy ideas. <laughs> and maybe even increasing the output of those uh images, not just to use them uh for uh the initial page of a chapter, but maybe more throughout a chapter. Uh that would be nice. Um I guess uh the entire setup that I had for writing this story. So using IA Writer in combination with Working Copy and Scriptable has been awesome. Um, we, thanks to Brett Terpstra, he made a very custom, very uh, extremely uh, specific uh, template for IA Writer that allowed me to preview the story with the same special layout uh, that I would get on Mac Stories on the website. I was able to preview the table of contents, navigation, the chapter images, everything inside of IA Writer. So uh, that saved me so much time and just being able to manage my screenshots locally uh, with uh, Scriptable and iCloud Drive and IA Writer all together. It was incredible. So the entire writing setup, uh, I'm glad that I that it took me you know a couple of weeks to get it right, uh, but. Um, that worked extremely well. I was able to upload uh, basically 150 screenshots in a mm-hmm. couple of hours uh, in one afternoon. I mean, but yeah. then this is the other part. It's like you now don't need to spend the first two weeks of June yep. working out what your setup's going to be for your review this yep. year. 
Yeah, which is also going to be super, That's super useful. Wow. It's a big benefit because you know that it always takes me a couple of weeks to say, hmm, what am I going to use this time for research and all of that? Uh, so, um, yeah, also moving from Evernote to Apple Notes before working on this story also helped. Um, I'm, I was very surprised <laughs> just, that I would... Just help my general mental state. Yes. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, but really, I... To give you a timeline, I basically started writing on April 14, and I was done in two, <laughs> two weeks with the writing. So 50,000 words done in two weeks, um, and then two, three, three more weeks of editing. So two weeks of writing, three weeks of editing. Um, I wrote super fast because it was so much easier to write than an iOS review. Because I was writing out of personal experience. And if anything, you could argue that the research had been done for seven years <laughs> before, <laughs> not in, th in two weeks at the beginning of the beta season. Uh, and it's, you know, it was a very different process. I, it's, I didn't have to keep track of beta one and beta two and beta three and all <laughs> the changes in all the betas. It was like, this is how I use the iPad. This is stuff that I already know. So I can just write. I don't need to wait for developer doc documentation to go live. I can just write what I know. And it was a nice change of pace from an iOS review. If you want to find links to all the stuff we spoke about this week, you can head over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 244. While you're there, you can get in touch. There's an email link there in the sidebar for feedback and follow-up. Or, of course, you can do that on Twitter. You can find Federico there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, -I -C -C -I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can find Mike online as I-M-Y-K-E, and Mike is the co-host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. You can find my writing online at 512pixels.net. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH. As a reminder, we are doing a live show in August in San Francisco. That link is in Show notes, if you're going to be in the area, we would love to see you. It's going to be a really special evening. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Backblaze, FreshBooks, and Text Expander. And until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.